we all know it. We should know it if we don't. And uh, in fact, uh, this message, not exactly like this, was, uh, was, I guess he preached it, back in 19, from a book I have back in 1925. That's before my time. And it was by Dr. J.G. Morrison, a great holiness preacher. And this message tonight, and I know sometimes, uh, a lot of times, people want to, uh, uh, how can I say it? I can't think of the right word. They want to streamline everything. And I know this is a basic, basic truth tonight, but friend, this is what our church, what I'm going to bring to you tonight, this is what our church was built upon. This, what I'm going to bring to you tonight, is what made us the church that we are tonight. So I want to talk to you this evening about the true colors of salvation. The true colors of salvation. And I, I, I will shorten it a little bit, so I'll just read just my text tonight. And it's found in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. Where it says, And Jesus said unto him, and he was talking, now you can, I was going to read a little bit before that, but, this, but the basics of what Jesus said here. He said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. You see, the only kind of religion and salvation that is worth anything is the one that goes to the depths of the heart. Amen. And you see, unless the core of one's being is so transformed and is in harmony with a holy God and who is in harmony with a holy book and who is in harmony with a holy heaven. You see, if it is not all this, then, our, then the salvation that the one has is not genuine. Amen. A preacher was asked one time something like this. How little salvation can I have and still get into heaven? And he went on to tell the preacher, he said, uh, Don't answer with scripture or in theology, but just as a man to man, he want, the man wanted the answer. In other words, what is the minimum requirements of going to heaven? You know, a lot of people, that's what they think. They think they're just going to, if I can just get in by the skin of my teeth, I'll be satisfied. Friend, you'll never get into heaven that way. Amen. But anyway, this preacher answered this man back. He said, well, you must have at least enough to make you comfortable 
when you meet God. And you will meet Him. Every one of us will. Would I, would you be comfortable in your present state if you had to stand before a holy God tonight? Something to think about, isn't it? And I realize, and, and you know, when the Lord laid this message on my heart, because I didn't know who, was be, who would be here, and I realized maybe every one of us are professing Christians. And I'm not trying to unchristianize anyone by no means. But I want to tell you, beloved, I just want to bring you the truth that God has laid on my heart for tonight. You see, genuine salvation is that quality that you and I must have so that we will be able to have companionship with God when we get to heaven. You see, there are so many things today that pass as salvation, but they are not genuine. Until in this day and age, and friend, that's what I've warned people before, and I've probably said it here. That's why it's so important. We need to be careful what we listen to on the radio. We need to be careful what we look at on our TVs. We need to be careful about what we read. Because a lot, of, a lot that's out there, it sounds good. And they may have enough uh, scripture in it to sound good, but be careful. And so it's very easy to become confused. And the devil will take things if he possibly can to confuse you and I from the real truth, from the real thing. It is said that there was a, uh, a portrait artist. And when an artist is painting a portrait of, of a person, there are so many different shades of paint and color and sometimes that portrait artist, because he had been studying and looking at those shades, sometimes his eyes would get to the place where he could not really differentiate the different shades of color that he should. And so how did that, would that artist cure that? Well, he would take the primary colors and he would look at those. Voice's eyes with those primary colors, and I don't mean actually, but by looking at them. And then when he would, when his eyes and so forth, he would get used to seeing the primary colors. Then when he went back to painting, he would be able to, to make the, see the difference between all the other shades that he needed to use. Friend, this needs to be done in our own hearts spiritually so that we can know the true colors of true salvation. Hallelujah. So I want us to look tonight at God's word about the true colors of salvation and what they are. Remember, it is God's word, and God's word says in 2 Timothy 3.16 that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. So you see, there is no salvation, there is no forgiveness, there is no peace found anywhere else except in God's holy word. This is what I stand on. This is what you and I can stand on that will never fail us and never let us down. Praise the Lord. So let's look. What are the true colors of real salvation? 
First of all, we need to look at what are the true colors of genuine regeneration. You say, oh, preacher, I know what regeneration is. You'd be surprised at the people who are confused of what it means to really be born again and regenerated in their heart. You see, there is so much today that passes off as the new birth. Come on, folk. But it fails to come up to God's standards. We are living in an age today when it's easy believism. Now, please don't misunderstand stand me. I, I hope no one does. No, we do not. God is not hiding somewhere and hard to, hard to find. He's there closer. He's as close as our breath itself. But on the other hand, just an easy believism that does not really change the heart. Amen. Just believe, you know, that's all you got. Well, the devils believe. You see, so a person who is genuinely born again and regenerated, and if you take that word regenerated, that means given new life. You remember when you were out in sin, you were dead in your trespasses and sin. But you see, when you give your heart to Jesus Christ, He comes in, forgives you, He gives you spiritual life, and you become a living being through the Holy Spirit. And friend, I want you to, I don't want you to remember this because we will be getting to some of the Holy Spirit in a few minutes. And remember, we do receive the Holy Spirit when we are born again. Yes, we do. In fact, the Bible says that if we do not have the Spirit of Christ, we are none of His. But hopefully we'll get, so just hang on to that, if you will. So what happens when a person is genuinely regenerated, converted? Used to use that, song, that term a lot, didn't they? They got converted. Don't hear that too much anymore, do they? First of all, a genuine, converted individual will have a real love for his fellow men. Amen. God's Word says, Hereby shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. You see, if we are truly regenerated, that means there will be no more grudges. Now, friend, I'm not talking about holiness here. Well, I am, but I mean, I'm not talking about the second work of grace. Some people have the idea, well, when I get sanctified, then I'll do this or quit that. Oh, no. Mm -mm. When we are genuinely born again, all grudges, all bitterness, all hatred, the get even, the get even spirit, they are gone from our heart. Could a heart with those things in it, could it be comfortable in the presence of God? I don't think so. And then again, a genuinely saved person will deal with other people with complete honesty, exact honesty. Amen. God's Word says, in this the children of God are manifested and the children of the devil. He that doeth not righteousness is not of God. Now I didn't say that. That's what God's word says. Amen. You know, people make so much excuses. They'll say, well, the devil made me do it. Nonsense. The devil can't make you do anything. You say, oh yeah, preacher, he meant, no, he didn't. You make the choice. 
Oh, he tempts, yes. And I agree he makes things look, look awful inviting. But friend, we're the main ones that makes the choice. Amen. Amen. So a genuine Christian, a genuine saved person is honest. In other words, honesty will go to the very root of his beings. In other words, he's honest whether it's convenient or not. He'll be honest whether it's easy or not. He'll be honest whether others are watching or not. Amen. And when I was studying this, I, I just thought, you know, I, I don't know, maybe some of you noticed, we've got a different van than we had the last time we had our van here. That old green van, it had so many miles on it, it began to have trouble. So uh, we had to get something else. And uh, so I sold that old green van to a good friend of ours. He said, you did? Yeah, I told him what was wrong. I told him how it worked, what didn't work, and whatever, you know. In fact, he kind of runs a, well, our son, he knows who I'm talking about, Jackie Hintz. He, he has kind of a, a junkyard and sells cars, one thing or another, repairs, whatever. And so I sold it to him. He goes, he's a member of my, bro my brother's church, my brother pastors. And so uh, he took that old van, worked on it, you know, got it to run and run it was running good. And he sold it. Now, how did that good Christian man run in a car? You said, now you, you said, trust a car lot, the car dealer? He told me, he said, I told that lady. I told him what, what, how it worked with you, what the transmission did, and one thing or another. And I told, told her exactly, and, he, and he, he asked her, well, do you still want it? And she said, yes. Honesty. Honesty. Now, it maybe would have been more convenient for him than just a, well, she won't know the difference, you know. Yep. Oh, Lord, help us. In other words, a genuine Christian, I'm not talking about being sanctified, I'm talking about being born again. Amen. A real born-again person, they're honest. They're honest on the job. Amen. Won't steal time from her employee. They're honest at home. They're honest with their wife or with their husband, whichever way you want to put it. They're honest with their children. They're honest. Amen. And they're honest, my friend, because what was dishonest has been forgiven and removed from their heart. Praise the Lord. Then another th thought. A genuine case of the new birth it places one in the, in the place where it will not commit sin. God's word says, whosoever, it doth, whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Amen. You see, a person cannot be a Christian and a sinner at the same time. Right? That's logical. You see, saying, saying that he's a sinning Christian, that's just like saying, well, he's a truthful liar. Or he's an honest thief. They just don't go together, do they? Amen. You see, if one willfully sins, he needs to repent and secure pardon 
before he can claim the name of Christian and then go on and serve the Lord. Amen. Come on, church. You know, there are some that say, well, I, I, have to, I sin every day and, and every time before I go to bed at night, when before I lay my head down and I'll ask the Lord, Lord, forgive me my sins I committed today so that I can go to sleep a saved person. You know, what if you treated your neighbor that way? How would he react? Friend, I want to tell you, beloved, it's an insult to God it's an insult to God to ask forgiveness when you know and he knows that tomorrow you're going to go back and do the very same thing over again. It's an insult to God's mercy and to his intelligence to ask forgiveness for offenses that you're not willing to quit. Amen. Lord, help us. Notice what God's word says. He that committeth sin is of the devil. Lord, help us. And then again, being genuinely converted, born again, it'll turn one away from worldliness. I didn't say being sanctified. I just said being born again. You know, I'm afraid we're living in such a time that people want to live a, Christ, a so-called Christian. Well, I don't know how, you'd, how you could uh, category it, whatever. But they want to live as close to the world as they can live and yet still be a Christian. Now, you're all not shouting me down, but this is good preaching just the same. And I want to tell you, this is what made us the church. This kind of stand, this kind of preaching, and friend, not that God's against us, not that God's trying to be hard on us, no, but He's a holy God. And God cannot look upon sin. See, it's sin that put Jesus on the cross. For genuinely born again, my friend, will depart from worldliness. God's word says, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Worldly amusements, worldly dress, worldly parties, worldly shows, worldly actions, worldly language, worldly deportment, department, portment. Friend, all those things are left behind when we are saved. Amen. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I realize that some people, it takes them time to understand and to learn. And I understand that, and I'm glad that God gives us is His grace will help us to move us along if we'll be obedient. But we have to have an ear turned to what He wants. Come on. And He will guide, and if we will let Him. Amen. And friend, remember, God, He does not change the standards for me or for you. Or for a general superintendent, or for a DS, or for anyone that stands the same. You see, it's the same as telling an outright falsehood to profess salvation 
when you are held by worldly habits, worldly dress, worldly deportment. Amen. Remember the book of James tells us in James 4, 4, Ye adulteresses and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is, is, the, is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. You see, these are the true colors of genuine regeneration. Friend, it'll change you. Praise the Lord. <laughs> it'll change your heart. You genuinely get saved. It'll change your heart. Hallelujah. You won't be like you used to be. Thank the Lord. Well, we need to go on. What are the true colors of a holy heart now? You see, after a person is born again, after conversion, there is always something left in the heart that must be dealt with. George Fox, a Quaker, he said, talking of it, he said, he meant put it this way, it's something that would not behave itself. Did you know that all denominations will tell you and I that after being saved, there is a nature left that is unfriendly to God? That's right. Episcopalians, they put it this way, there is an infection that doth remain. Presbyterians say a remaining corruption. Lutherans put it this way, a depraved nature and sinful propensities. Amen. I know, I was, we were talking to talking Brother Smith today. We had a good visit, good meal together. And we were telling him, when we are home, now don't fall off the pew, okay? <laughs> but there's at times when we are in a home area and we're not, do, not busy somewhere else, especially on a Wednesday night, there's a Baptist church we attend. That's right. But this isn't your normal Southern Baptist church. In fact, the Southern Baptist kicked him out because of his stand, because of his preaching, because of the way he held done their services. And I heard him in a message. Now, this is the Baptist. I heard him in one of his messages. He was talking about that he knew, in other words, he had been born again. He had been saved. He knew that he was doing the right thing. He was going to church. He was reading his Bible. He was praying, doing all those things. But he still knew there was something missing on the inside. And he began to see, and he gave God everything. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, how does this nature manifest itself in the believer? What about a tendency toward worldliness? Now, friend, I can't tell you exactly what is and what isn't worldly for you. But if you seek God, he will let you know. Amen. And I can't write out a, catalog, a catalog and say, well, this don't do, you know, rules. Uh, rules are good and we need them, but they, rules are there to show us where we lack. They don't give us any grace. So I cannot tell you exactly what worldliness might be for you. But... After we're saved, if you find within your heart there is a hidden 
regret that you can't indulge in some certain worldly practices, be careful. If there is a secret sign that the Christian way is just, it's just too narrow. Well, I want to tell you, if I, if, I, if I have a doctor that's going to do a surgery on me, I want him to do the narrow thing. I don't want him to cut here, there, everywhere else. Come on, folk. Amen. Lord, help us. Or the believer, is there an inclination to temper, fly off the handle? Oh, my, Lord, help us. A peevish disposition. I'm peeved. I didn't get my own way. <laughs> oh, my. I remember. Now, this is not near here. But I remember Nazarene Church that they decided that they were going to redecorate the interior of the church. And uh, so they got together, the board and whatever, and they decided that they would paint the inside of the church green. They all decided they wanted it green. I guess that's all right if you like green, you know. Not green backs. Most of us like those. <laughs> They decided they'd paint it green. But you know what? Then they couldn't decide and come together on what shade of green. So finally the poor pastor, what he did, if I remember correctly, he painted up the wall one shade of green, from there to the ceiling the other, and the ceiling the third. He just tried to satisfy every one of them. Oh, Lord, help us. A stubborn self-will. Oh, God, help us. Lord, help us. Or what about, I'm talking about how the carnal nature, how this thing, how it will manifest itself in the believer. Come on, oh yes, we know we've been born again, we know we've been saved, but oh, brother, that thing just wants to rear up its head once in a while. You know, that self-will, got to have it my way or not at all. Or what about the pride that a person can have? You know, um, You know, preachers used to preach more about pride. Lord, help us. Lord, help us if you got afraid to do it. Come on. Amen. Lord, help us. <laughs> oh, my. You'd like to know what I'm thinking, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, how many of you like antique automobiles? You men like antique automobiles? Oh, come on, sure, most of us, we do, you know. We're at least some, maybe, at least interested. You know, you know, you can take an old Model T Ford. You know, you can find them, and men have taken those old things, you know, and they have polished them up and redid them and repainted and everything else, and they look, in fact, in fact, it looked better than when they were new, but you could still tell it's an old model, couldn't you? Yeah. 
do I need to say any more? <laughs> I've seen some ladies, some women, you could still tell they were an old model. They dolled up and everything, but they were still an old model. <laughs> now, you might as well smile. You're going to have to love me to get to heaven, whether you like it or not. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> but pride... Pride, and, and I, don't misunderstand me, I'm, I, you know, if we didn't have any pride, I wouldn't care what I look like, but I do care. I mean, you know, you know, that's, that's basic. I, I like to look nice, uh, especially my wife likes me to look nice. You know, she tries to fix me up and whatever, you know, make sure my hair is combed correctly and whatever, you know. No, you don't want to see my hair in the morning. But what about, what about that thing of pride? Did you know that's what, that's what ruined Satan was pride? But pride of our own abilities, pride, proud of our gifts, proud of our church. And you know what? I don't know, this may go over like a lead balloon. But I'm afraid in some of our holiness movements, come on folks. And don't misunderstand me. I have been raised in a strict holiness environment. And I think you know me by this time, the stand that I take. But there are some people, they are proud of their spirituality. Come on, folks. Friend, I want to tell you, we shouldn't be proud about it. If God, if God wants us to look or do a certain way, friend, God is doing it. And friend, it's nothing to be proud about. He's doing it to get us to heaven. Amen. You see, a heart that has all these defilement things inside of it, could they be comfortable in the presence of a holy God? I don't think so. Well, I'm glad, thank the Lord, that God shows us that there is a second definite work of grace provided by the blood of Jesus to meet this need to cleanse our heart. Hallelujah. You know, John the Baptist, he spoke of it. He said, you know, uh, he, he, it says in Luke 3, 16, John answered, saying unto them all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh the latches of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Friend, I want to tell you, this is a burning baptism of the Holy Ghost that was poured out on the church on the day of Pentecost. And friend, when it got into the hearts of that early church, you know what happened to them? It radically changed them. It changed, you know, a cowardly Peter into a stalwart uh, witness for the Lord. They, they got rid of all their pride, their worldliness, their peevishness. They didn't care who was going to be first. Remember the disciples before Pentecost, how they would argue, well, I'm going to be first. No, I'm going to be first. They didn't care after Pentecost. Hallelujah. As long as, the God, as long as people were saved and as long as God's kingdom was advanced. Praise His name. Now, I want to give you some wonderful truths about this second work of grace that it'll do. What a, a, some wonderful truths about it. You see, one thing is that it will keep us from blame 
before a holy God. Well, hallelujah. Thank God forever. It'll keep us free from blame before God. Maybe not before men, but before God. When our hearts are totally yielded to Him, thank God, and are wholly set on pleasing God, though we have a lot of faults, and we may fail once in a while, but yet, beloved, because of our heart being clean, 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, And the very God of peace sanctify you holy. That's completely, W-H-O-L-L-Y, holy. And I pray, God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved, what? Blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. (laughs) And you see, this second work of grace is able to place us where we are saved to the uttermost. Now I know we, a lot lot of times, a person being saved from the uttermost, we'll think, well, from the guttermost to the uttermost. Well, you know, it goes further than that. I believe he can take us and save us all the way to heaven. Pray, that's the uttermost. Praise His name. It tells us in Hebrews 7, 25, He is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by Him, seeing He never liveth to make intercession for them. Friend, He is interceding. Hallelujah. I don't know what that does in your heart, but when I think of the Father, that Jesus before the Father and the blessed Holy Spirit, even at this very moment, He is interceding for His children. He prays for us. He prays for us. Thank God forever. Hallelujah. Oh, thank God. And I want to tell you, the Father always hears the prayers of the Son. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Thank the Lord. (laughs) And again, this second work of grace, it imparts a wonderful fullness to an empty heart. You know, the disciples at Pentecost said they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And remember, they went through a time of persecution. They prayed again. And again, it said that they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spake the word of God with boldness. And you see, beloved, the promise to the sanctified soul is the promise of the fullness. Paul said, be filled with the Spirit if you study that verse, mean that doesn't mean to be filled one time. That means to be filled and keep on being filled. That means being living, living filled over and over again. Friend, that's why we have revival, church. So that we can be refilled, so that it can be renewed. Hallelujah. Bless his name. Well, I need to quit. <laughs> this, beloved... These are the true colors of full salvation. A clean, holy heart. Freed by the Holy Spirit from all taints and tendencies and dispositions of the carnal nature. Filled with the perfect love of God and man. Without blame before Him in love. And to grow more and more into the maturity of the fullness of God. And friend, maybe you've made those two trips to the altar. If you have, the Lord bless you. I'm not trying, I don't want to take anything away from you. By no means. But friend, that's just the beginning. Those are not goals in themselves. 
I don't know if I've ever used this illustration to you all when I've been here before, but I probably have. But you know, when my wife and I, well, before we were married, I knew her. You know, uh, well, we didn't date very long, but anyway, <laughs> we wrote letters. And then, you know, when we met before the preacher and we said our vows, and I consecrated myself and committed myself totally to her. I said all other loves, goodbye. Come on. No more flirtations. No one else. My focus is on her and her alone. Amen. Friend, you know, that's like, that's like, the, per, that's like the spiritual experience of a person you see, when we know Christ, we get to know him and he forgives us of our sins. But then when we meet him at the altar of consecration and we give him everything and we say no other eyes, nothing for the world, goodbye all other idols, goodbye. And I center my heart and center myself upon God and commit totally to him. But you know, after we made that promise and that commitment to each other, that was not the end of the marriage. That was just the beginning. And friend, when we are sanctified, holy, and we commit everything, friend, that's not the end of the walk. That's really the beginning. That we go on from there, and we learn, and we walk, and we, and have I had to make a lot of adjustments to her? Oh, yes. Has she had to make adjustments to me? Yes. But did that stop the marriage and stop me from loving her or her me? No. And so have I had to make adjustments in my walk, my walk of holiness with God? Oh, yes. And I'm still making them. But does that stop the relationship? By no means. I'm still His. Hallelujah. I still belong to him. He's my Lord and Savior, my Savior, my sanctifier, my keeper. And friend, as long as I just keep saying less, yes, he's going to take me all the way to heaven and he'll do the same for you. Praise the Lord forever. Hallelujah. That's shouting ground. Thank God. Well, stand with me.